1: welcome pewter report readers viewers and listeners to a brand new edition of the pewter report podcast happy super bowl day after hopefully everybody enjoyed the super bowl it was certainly an interesting one last night going to almost a full overtime period a couple seconds shy of that and uh we had some former Buccaneer players win in second ring. And, of course, John Lynch, former Buccaneer legend, Hall of Famer, general manager of San Francisco 49ers, denied again by Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll talk about that game today. But today's main topic will be the seven-round Bucks mock draft that dropped last week, late last week on Thursday. Myself and Bailey Adams will be talking about that. I'm your host, Scott Reynolds. And uh, joining me today, as I mentioned, is Bailey Adams from Peter
0: Report. Bailey, how are we doing today? Doing all right, Scott. A little bit of the, I wouldn't say like a legitimate Super Bowl hangover because I didn't really drink much last night. It's just, I think, the first day without football where it's like, oh, it's really the off season, isn't it? So it's a yeah. hangover in that sense. Well,
1: the great thing is, it's a Monday. And you know what that means. On our live show at 420, we have a dual thing called roll call. Don't, don't put your locations in now, Peter people. But at 420 today, we're going to be having roll call. Bailey's going to go on a rants for a couple minutes. I'm going to put up the locations of where you're watching the show from today. So make sure at 420 when we do the roll call that you guys chime in with where you're watching from. And uh, and we'll have that on there as well. But let's talk about this uh, the Super Bowl here. I think, Bailey, as time goes on, and as we saw Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, all those guys win, a third Super Bowl together, well, it's making the Buccaneers win back in 2020 in Super Bowl 55 look a heck of a lot better. I mean, it was great when it happened, but Bailey, this was the only team that denied Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City uh, not just a Super Bowl ring, but a touchdown in that game. What are your thoughts on, on where Super Bowl 55 stands now
0: that Patrick Mahomes is three out of four in his Super Bowls? Yeah, so like you said, it's aging better and better. And it for the p- better part of the first half of that game, it looked like the 49ers were almost copy and pasting the performance that the Bucks put up in Super Bowl 55. It looked like they were getting after Mahomes. Mahomes was off balance really. I think he only had like six or seven pass attempts in the first um the quarter and a half or something like that. And it really looked like they were just getting after him and disrupting everything Kansas City wanted to do. Um, but yeah, it, it you know, in, in the end it was Mahomes and it was the Chiefs. Getting it done, you know, getting the fortune of that that uh muff punt that went off the foot of uh of the 49ers, and that's all they needed. They they were from there it was getting getting them back in the game, and it was almost like they were inevitable from that point. And for the Bucs to be the ones who have been the only ones to stop them in the Super Bowl, uh, it's it's getting better and better. And I think a lot of Bucks fans will, will love to hang on to that as long as they can.
1: Yeah, I had a chance to speak to Bruce Arians today to talk about his tenth. Arians Family Foundation Gala, which is coming up, um, gosh, in a couple of weeks, really. It's it's right around the corner, but it's going to be held at Hard Rock Hotel and Casino this year, and Jason Aldean is going to be the performer. So it's certainly a fantastic venue. Uh, They moved it from um, Innisbrook, where it's been held the last couple of years. Now it's going to be at Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino, and Jason Aldean is going to be the performer after the the auction and uh, the event so uh ba certainly was was all smiles today talking about how his team was uh, was the one to really foil patrick mahomes and kansas city back in super bowl 55 winning tampa bay's second ever super bowl championship and uh and certainly had one of the best boat parades of all time right there's, there's he read tom brady with the super bowl trophy which he um was it haphazardly or was it on target throw to to uh, Cam Brait? Uh, what what are your thoughts on that? Looking back, at, at I think uh, it was the on, Brady to Brate connection.
0: It was on target and it was you know sure-handed Cam Brait you know bringing it in, making sure that it didn't land in the bay. There, I know Gronk had said that he was probably gonna jump in after it, or there, there was talk that that Gronk would go in after it if, if necessary. But yeah, Cameron Brait uh, made the catch and kept the Super Bowl trophy from from going into the into the bay.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Shaggy says, "Hey, hey, Tampa Bay." He won fifty bucks when when Little John and Ludacris <laughs> showed up during Usher's halftime show. So uh, that was that was pretty cool. Uh, some people, not really huge fans of, of Usher. What did you think of the halftime performance? Usher probably more my generation than yours.
0: I think so, yeah, somewhere in between. Because like I think growing up, I was probably when Usher was at his at his peak, I was probably six or seven, seven or eight, something something around there. So I knew I knew a lot of the songs that he was playing and. Uh, I thought it was good. I, I think it's it's funny the narratives. They're not narratives, but the the discourse around the halftime show every year. It's a lot of people yeah. love it, a lot of people hate it. The people that love it think it was the best one ever. The people yeah. that hate it, it's, it's just music has gone away. So yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was good. I thought it was good for what it was.
1: I, I I still think to this day Prince's halftime performance in the rain in Miami still the best one of all time. That's just me. Everybody has yeah, you know, there's the Bruce yeah. Springsteen fans. You know Rihanna last year had a lot of thumbs up. So. Everybody's got their particular favorite Super Bowl halftime performance. It, it happened to be, um, for me, Prince, and then also too, that Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake one was was also pretty fun as well. Purple Rain in the rain
0: is hard to beat, and I know, I know my dad's my dad's a big Prince fan, and um, as you know, as a result, so am I. So that was that was very cool, and yeah, I, I think there's been quite a few here in recent years. where I think it's, it's been a streak of pretty good ones.
1: Yeah, Angle uh, here says uh, Super Bowl Fifty Five will age like fine wine as a Super Bowl that made Mahomes and <laughs> look mortal. Yeah, I mean that's really when we look at the present day Buccaneers, right? Um, they're losing more and more Super Bowl members from that Super Bowl Fifty Five team. Ryan Jensen already retired. I-, I think this year they're they're probably going to cut Shaq Barrett and 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 maybe even part ways with Carlton Davis. That could be two more guys that the Super Bowl team um, sheds, if you will, from, from Tampa Bay. Devin White's not going to be re-signed in free agency, so that number is quickly going to dwindle to single digits here before too long. Look, Levante, David, doesn't come back. If Mike Evans doesn't come back, um, those are some guys in free agency that I think will be re-signed, but if not, that it's just going to kind of whittle down that Super Bowl 55 team pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, and, and you've already seen it in recent years. Obviously, Ali Marpet retiring early. He's been. It's it's weird to think how how long he's been retired already. Yeah. Um, and then, as you mentioned at the top of the show, some of those guys that were on that team were now on the Chiefs, winning right. winning last night. And Justin Watson just won his third Super Bowl ring. So, yeah. um, quite a few quite a few with the Chiefs last night winning. But yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. The it feels like it was not that long ago that the Bucks right. were were hoisting the trophy, and I guess now we're it just every day it's getting. More and more in the past, but it still feels so recent.
1: Yeah, it does. And again, too, I I think that that really we, when you look at, at this current Buccaneer team with Todd Bowles as the head coach, that was not his coming out party because he had been yeah. with this coaching staff since 2019. There'd been some memorable defensive performances, certainly along that stretch from 2019 to 2020, but that was his crowning achievement. I think that that if if you had put his name and he's, he's not eligible because he's a coach, but you could make the, the argument that he was the Super Bowl MVP. I know Tom Brady yeah. threw three touchdowns. I know Gronk caught two. Shaq Barrett, had he – I think he had something like eight, nine, ten pressures in that <laughs> game, had one sack. If he had had a couple more sacks, he probably would have been the MVP because the defense was really just as much the story as the offense was in that game. And and I think when, when Bruce Arians handed off the baton – to Todd Bowles in the 2022 offseason, um, yeah, there was that little bit of of angst about, well, look what happened in that Rams game with that zero blitz call, right? Yeah. But at the same time, Todd Bowles was a big reason why this team won Super Bowl 55 in 2020.
0: Yeah, and I think it's still been – he's been a big reason why they've maintained the, the their spot on top of the NFC South of the last couple of years. I know – um, you know his defenses haven't been maybe at that same level. They don't have the same level as pass rush, and we'll get into all that with the with the mock draft talk, and then just draft season coming. Uh, you know, or it's already here, I guess. But yeah. it's it's one of those things where you look at that and you see where the blueprint is for his defenses, and it was just executed to absolute perfection. Then I, I mean, I haven't seen many like it um, in in my lifetime of of just a, a game plan like that. That just nothing the Chiefs were doing was working, and it was almost it was almost reminiscent, like like looking last night at last night's game. Like I said early in the game, it was the 49ers kind of doing the same thing. But I thought yeah. Steve Spagnuolo, I thought he did a fantastic job as the the Chiefs' defensive coordinator. Like he was a def- he was a potential MVP from last night yeah. in my eyes as well. Like like you said with Bowles being um, you know, up there in the running, if he could be as a coach, I thought Spags was was absolutely fantastic last night. So yeah, I mean it's it's kind of crazy to to think.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we're going to be getting into our mock draft 2.0. We do five of these mock drafts. Traditionally, we do one prior to the Senior Bowl. We do the post-Senior Bowl mock draft. And, and uh, Bailey, you were there with me at the Senior Bowl. The entire Peter Report staff was there. And we're going to be in Indy in just two weeks for the NFL Scouting Combine. All five of us are going to be going there as well for the first time, which would be fun. And we'll get to see a different side of some of those senior bowl players. uh, We'll have longer extended interview time with them. We'll find out if they've met with the Buccaneers and had a formal interview or an informal interview or no interviews at all. And then, of course, there's the Underwear Olympics, where the biggest (laughs) thing are the 40-yard dash times, right? Because that's, that's a key indicator for some of these players that Todd Bowles wants on his defense, right? I mean, that was really what Devin White Put out there, I think a 4-4-1 or 4-4-2 during his 40-yard dash at Indy that really solidified him as the Bucks' fifth overall pick, uh, the first round selection in 2019 for Tampa Bay. And I remember tweeting out, it was t- it was a Twitter at the time, I remember tweeting out uh, future Bucks linebacker Devin White right? <laughs> just ran a 4-4-1 or 4-4-2, whatever the time was. Uh, after he ran that. And we had had Devin White in four out of our five mock drafts that year. I think we just mixed it up with the third one, just to put somebody else different in right. there. I think we said Kentucky edge rusher Josh Allen, which wouldn't have been a bad selection given how yeah. well his career's turned out. But we did nail that pick along with several others that we've nailed since then. And uh, so that's going to be really key, right? When the Buccaneers are looking for inside linebackers, when they're looking for edge rushers, we saw Yaya Diaby, sorry, yeah, yeah, D-R-B. Uh come up with a huge forty-yard dash time. I want to say it was four five one, four five three. It was low four fives. Yeah, and that's just so impressive for a big man at 6'3", 264 pounds.
0: Yeah, and I think he was the one who really stood out last year and in, in at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. And yeah. then yeah, getting to see him kind of double that performance with the combine and, and running what he ran at that size, I think really solidified him and his, his draft positioning and. It'll be interesting. I'm I'm always interested, and we'll see. There's obviously more, um, you know. There's the Senior Bowl guys that we'll see in, in India as well, but there's also guys that were, you know, I don't, know if, if you want to call them a, of a higher stature, but some of the players who didn't necessarily need to go to the Senior Bowl, um, yeah. they'll be there in, in India as well. So we we'll get to talk to some of them and maybe identify a few more Bucks targets. And that's yeah, like you said a couple of weeks away, sneaking up. Uh sneaking yeah. up on me, especially.
1: <laughs> yeah. And the thing too is is you look at at Yaya Diaby, we had him as a Bucks best bet. That's one of, of several players we had. Payne Durham was another one as a Bucks best bet, a tight end. The previous year we had K Dotton as as a tight end in our Bucks best bets. Uh, Rashad White was in our mock drafts. So we've done a pretty good job of nailing some of these players, linking them to the Buccaneers, either in our mock drafts or in our Bucks best bets. And so we'll see if we if that trend can continue. Uh, we've we Jason Lights either been helping us out or maybe we've been helping <laughs> Jason out when it comes to selecting the players. Uh, so Kieran, so. but speaking of players, Jason has drafted from the senior bowl. Donovan Smith was one of those guys back in 2015. Matter of fact, they used both of their second round picks in 2015 to select two players from the senior bowl, two players that happened to line up next to each other at the senior bowl. Left tackle from Hobart College, Ali was was playing left guard. And then you had Donovan Smith from Penn State playing left tackle. Tampa Bay drafted Smith first in the second round and then also had uh, Marpet selected in the second round. And now Donovan Smith, believe it or not, as Karen Butt says, Donovan Smith somehow has two Super Bowl rings. Who would have thought that would have happened, Bailey?
0: I got to stick up for him here because that 2020 season, he played his best football. So I think he definitely earned that one. I know this year was a little more up and down for him in KC his first year. Uh, after leaving tampa but he earned that first one and I, I would say i guess he earned the second one as well but yeah it is it is i think the the crazier thing is justin watson now being a three-time Super Bowl champion you know yeah bucks special teams ace and now he's a, more of a contributor at wide receiver for for kansas yeah. city than than he was in tampa
1: yeah and he's been to four super bowls he lost the one here in tampa bay with uh with the chiefs when he was um uh, kansas city so yeah so his super bowl rings have come from the chiefs when you look at blaine gabbert now probably one of the most handsome quarterbacks uh, let's just say most handsome players in the nfl uh, now has two super bowl rings as does mike edwards and um one of my good friends joe cullen former bucks defensive line coach who's coached kansas city now a back to back super bowl champion in kansas city uh, certainly if you're talking about mvps last night um you know you, you have to, to start up front with their defensive yeah. tackle right
0: yeah, I mean he Chris Jones was, was fantastic. Again, another one where you're always going to probably get the quarterbacks. If as long as they're throwing a couple touchdowns and you know leading those game-winning drives, the quarterbacks are going to be the favorites to win MVP. But a lot of times it is there are plenty of guys on defense, especially up front, who have a case for, for being MVP.
1: Yeah, exactly. Long lost laser says, Is Devin White going to be an Eagle or a Cowboy next year? An interesting thing is with Dre Greenlaw having that injury last night and what was an Achilles, right? Yeah, He's he's going to be out for, you know, probably uh, at least half the season, if not three quarters of the, of the season. What I mean by, by that is from the calendar year, I don't see him coming back until at least halfway through the season in 2024. Maybe the, the 49ers look at Devin White as a guy that could step in on a one year deal and play next to Fred Warner. And, you know, maybe that's an, one more team that needs an inside linebacker now that might look at Devin and say you're fast you're big kind of like Drake Greenlaw and and maybe you could
0: fill in for him while he recovers from that Achilles yeah the way it could work out for him is uh, I don't know I I don't think he's going to have a a huge market and it could be one of those things where he goes out there expecting to get a big multi-year deal and then he comes he comes around to a certain point in in the off season where he's like all right I have to you know swallow the pill and and take a one-year deal approve it deal somewhere and you know, there's not there are worse places to take a prove it deal than uh, San Francisco because they're going to probably be up there again as one of the better teams in the NFC. So if he can sign a one year deal with San Francisco, that'd probably be pretty, pretty good for him as far as competing and potentially, you know, kind of reviving his value of, out there on the open market for next year.
1: Yeah, exactly. Speaking of market, folks, if you're in the market for an energy drink, well, we've got just the the one for you, the new Celsius Essentials. It's a bigger can. It's got more caffeine, and it's really geared for the workout enthusiast. But you know what? You don't have to be a workout enthusiast to enjoy it. Uh, Whether it's the the new orange sickle flavor, whether it's the dragonberry, the blue crush, or the energy uh, that you're going to get from the cherry limeade, which tastes exactly like it sounds. Celsius will get your day started. It'll help you power through the day. It'll help you prepare for your workout and power through your workout. It's the only energy drink that you're going to need to get your performance at its peak level. Where can you find Celsius? Well, there's a lot of places. You can go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator. There you can just punch in your address, and you'll see Targets and 7-Elevens and convenience stores and grocery stores pop up. You'll also be able to to find them at some of the bigger stores like Walmart, et cetera. Or maybe you can even find them at your bodega. Bodega. Once you find Celsius, and, and you try some of these flavors, if you want to buy them in bulk, the best place to do that is over at Amazon, right? You can have them shipped right to your house, your apartment, your trailer park, <laughs> wherever you live, uh, your tiny house. You can get Celsius sent right to you. And gosh, it'll be just like your favorite holiday when you get that, that box in the mail. It's the best present you can send yourself to get a case of Celsius. So make sure, pewter people, when you are turning to an energy drink to get your day going or power through the day it is celsius the official energy drink of pewter report bailey one of the best things about mondays and i know that you're not typically on on mondays but today you get to be on for what we like to call roll, roll call. Call. Where are you at pewter people that's right bailey's gonna go on a little bit of a rant here about an article that he wrote for Peter, Report, um, when was it? This weekend, right? Yeah, I think Saturday. Yeah, over Saturday. And it talks about the continuity that this uh, Bucks team can achieve. But a couple of things have to happen first in free agency. I'm going to be dropping this into the chat so you can read that story at your leisure. And while Bailey does that, you know the drill. I'm going to be putting up your location. And uh, and we'll talk about um, where some of you awesome Pewter people are at. As we punch these up on the screen. So Bailey, go ahead and fire away.
0: Yeah. So I mean, we, it was really exciting down the stretch in 2023, this 2023 season. Bucks were looking like they were dead for a few for a few weeks there. But as they got into that five game winning streak near the end of the season, the offense really took off under Dave Canales and everything seemed to start clicking. You know, he's a first time play caller. They finally got to it. And you know, they scored twenty-seven points at Atlanta, thirty-four at Green Bay. They come back and score thirty against Jacksonville at home. And then the playoffs, they scored thirty against Philadelphia as an offense and then 23 at Detroit both of those playoff games you see Baker throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns so it's you're feeling really good as about next season like this offense really can take it to the next level uh under Dave Canales in year two you know second year play calling and you're gonna have hope you're gonna think you'll get Baker back you'll get Mike Evans back and then Dave Canales leaves and it feels like that continuity could be gone because you know the, who knows what's gonna happen with Baker now and now who are they gonna get to replace Dave Canales and you know, what can they do here? And I think with the hiring of Liam Cohen, they really have given themselves a shot at maintaining that continuity in a way that maybe didn't look possible for, for a little while there. Um, and it comes in, and as I broke this down in my article on PewReport.com. It, it's, there's three things here, three components of maintaining that continuity that I think they have a really good shot at achieving. It starts with the personnel and hiring Cohen gives them a great shot at retaining Baker Mayfield. They've worked together before Baker was in town um, and, and stopped by at the facility for uh, to see him on his um, introductory press conference day. You know he's talked about you know the balls in the Bucks court, saying basically he wants to come back and getting something done is kind of on the Bucks at this point, and they want to work together on on getting something done. And so, if the hiring of Cohen gives you a shot at, re- at re-signing Baker Mayfield, you're going to have a better shot at re-signing Mike Evans as well. And, and there's a potential. I mean, Mike Evans might not need as much uh, of a pull, of course staying uh in tampa for his 11th season money has to be right but if you're showing him with this continuity baker's coming back he just had a lot of success this past season with baker mayfield as his quarterback um you know gives him a feeling where hey my career may be winding down but i still have a good shot to win here and stick out this you know the rest of my career with the team that drafted me which i think he wants to do anyway um so I think that's uh, that's the first part of it is maintaining that personnel continuity where you get you get Baker back, you get Mike Evans back, and that's the first part. Second part is the whole philosophy of the offense, and Liam Cohen's you know very much on the same page as Dave Canales was as far as you know finding balance on offense, running the ball, and it's no surprise because that is what Todd Bowles wants his offense to look like. So of course you know the the coaching search is going through uh, Todd Bowles. He, he ended up with Dave Canales, a guy who liked to run the ball, liked to find that balance, takes pressure off of Bulls' defense. It's no shocker that he finds a guy who... With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Who kind of shares that same philosophy in Liam Cohen and can do what he wants his offense to do and, you know, kind of complement the defense the way that he he views football. And that's the that's the big thing, and you even saw it in his, his press conference. Bowles didn't say much before Liam Cohen started talking, but Bowles did say, he's a guy who fits what we want to do. Um, which, again, not, not a surprise that that's the... The candidate that they ended up going with so that's the second part is the philosophy being maintained so because the philosophy is maintained they've got a shot the bucks know what they're going into the season wanting to do on offense um and then the third part of course is the scheme which there will be some different terminologies as liam cohen had talked about there will be some you know different you know phrases from protections and um you know route running all that kind of stuff but a lot of it is going to be very similar because of the connections of Shane Waldron coaching under Sean McVay. That's where Dave Canales came from, working with Shane Waldron in Seattle, and then obviously Liam Cohen working with Sean McVay in Los Angeles. So there's a lot going to be the same on the scheme. He saw, he talked about it being maybe a slight learning curve, but this is a team of smart football players and an offensive smart football player. So you, got, you get the same guys back. You've got the same philosophy. You've got a, you know, a similar scheme, almost the same scheme, just a slight learning curve. You add all that together, and all of a sudden – you do kind of hope you can see some of those same results that you were seeing toward the end of last year, going into 2024, you're thinking, all right, this offense might not need that, you know, beginning period that they saw in 2023 of, all right, let's figure everything out for the first six or seven weeks. I think that that's, that's the shot that the bucks have now by hiring Liam Cohen, they have all these, you know, resulting um, these resulting effects that yeah. if they put that all together, could lead to really good things for this offense. And Todd Bowles needs it to lead to good things for this offense. So it's one of those where it looks really, really good right now. So we'll see where it goes yeah. from here.
1: Yeah, exactly. And we'll see who some of these hires on the offensive coaching side, they still have a couple of vacancies to, to fill. Uh, really the wide receiver position, they filled the the offensive line position with Kevin Carberry, who was was with the Rams. And, and that's a, a hire that, that uh, quite frankly, um uh, Liam Cohen wanted. He wanted to have some familiarity with that offensive line coach spent last season as an assistant offensive line coach in new Orleans. But, uh, and we'll see if, if he makes any changes, they, the, the, he's going to be talking with skip Pete, the running backs coach, John Van Dam, the tight ends coach to see if he wants those guys back and part of his staff. My guess is skip Pete will be back. He's certainly worked really well in terms of getting Rashad white prepared to be that wire to wire starter, the feature back and white had a really good first season as the starting running back. And then we'll see if, if John Van Dam fits what, what Liam Cohn wants to do at tight end, still get a find a receivers coach. Will David Ra and Jeff castle be back. Those were some offensive assistants that we're working with Brad Idzik, the receivers coach last year. Of course, Idzik joined Dave Canales in Carolina. So um, we'll, we'll see how, how this staff shakes out and up. Being finalized by by Cohen here. Um, one thing that that I do want to finalize is is uh, we had a great turnout today, as we always do with you Peter. People never disappoint us, especially on a Monday for our live show because it's always the most fun day of the week. Because yeah, you have to go back to work and that kind of stinks, but you get to join the Peter Report live show here and we get to find out where you guys are watching from. So let's start with a couple of of uh, folks here. Jeremy, I from Tampa, Florida, on to baseball season, as he said. Bailey, you're a baseball enthusiast. You like the the race, so uh, certainly that's right up your alley there. Uh, James Hamilton from Louisville. It's not Louisville. It's Louisville, Kentucky. I was just (laughs) in Louisville over the weekend with my wife, Ashley. We had a fun time in Louisville. Can't wait to go back. We toured several distilleries. We went to Rabbit Hole, Evan Williams, Angel Zenity, which is probably our favorite, and Michter's. And there's so many distilleries there, we couldn't get to a mall, so we have to go back. Great foodie town, though. Really fun. Uh, exceeded our expectations. We saw Chris Hardwick, the, the comedian, uh, do a live show there. That was fun. We've got John Bubin from Butte, Montana. We were out there in, um, in Montana as a family vacation this past bye week in October out in Bozeman, Montana. So Montana was really fun. I've not been to Hawaii yet. Have you been to Hawaii, Bailey? I haven't. I really want to, but I haven't. Okay. Well, Kelts808 says, Aloha from Hawaii Pewter people. So we appreciate that. Kieran Butt watching from Norwich, UK. Greatly appreciate him uh, chiming in. Uh, Guam, USA is where ATL Bucks fan 19. Good morning, Pewter people. 7 a.m. So it's very cool that you're up and at him this morning uh, as, as the afternoon is, has gotten here in, in Tampa. I uh, greatly appreciates you, Peter, people from tuning in from um, not just across the state of Florida, not just across the country, but also from around the world, as is the case with Rafa1589 from Madrid, Spain. Very cool. Appreciate you, Joining us as well, and a good friend, Christopher Oxentine from Overland Park, my old stomping grounds. I wore my Buccaneers gear out this morning. Well, that's awesome because that's a big kind of, you know, middle finger to the Chiefs fans out there (laughs) in that neck of the woods. Also, Christopher Oxentine, a big UCF uh, knight, so charge on. And last but not least, JB from a classroom in San Diego, California. So uh, great that you're pursuing education out there in san diego great weather out there too so appreciate everybody from joining us uh joining us today we have a, a 1999 super chat here from suzanne galasso we appreciate that very much the the kelsey brothers have no dumb questions i have two why does the bucks flag go left uh, I, I guess that that means why does it wave that way i guess that's what it means second how do i see um the stupid dollar ninety nine chart won't let me uh, change on my iPhone fifteen Pro Max. Slap out loud! I have no idea. I don't know I can't how help to, with the second one. <laughs> I can't help with the second one either. Yeah, I, I've got a, an older iPhone, not the newer one, so I'm I'm not uh, technologically gifted there. Um, one thing that we are gifted at at Peter Report is Buccaneer knowledge, right? And and that's why you Pewter people turn to us. And We greatly appreciate that uh, so much. And one of the things we also do very well is we cover the Buccaneers draft. We, I think we're probably the undisputed champion when it comes to accurately predicting what the team is going to do. So much so that we get some, you know, finger wagging and some raised eyebrows from the Bucks front office when we nail some of the picks. And uh, that's always fun to do. So, of course, today's topic is our second ra- second draft for the Buccaneers, our seventh round Bucks mock draft version number 2.0. And Bailey, let's dive into that. I want to get your thoughts on this. Myself and Josh Capo worked on this, and we, we gave you guys a heads up about what we were kind of getting into. And you've seen some of these players now because the Buccaneers, they draft a lot of Senior Bowl prospects. Matter of fact, you did an article. How many Buccaneer players has Jason Light drafted since 2014? It was 27.
0: 27, 27 Senior Bowl. Only on, only on the draft. I think he has also a few undrafted free agents, too. So, yeah. Kayvon Merriweather was one last year. So, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So,
1: that, that is a, a significant number. Matter of fact, the last two Senior Bowl classes have produced five Buccaneer draft picks in each of those. And you were there at the Senior Bowl last year, seeing the likes of Trey Palmer, Servassier Dennis, uh, Payne Durham, Yaya Diaby, and Cody Malk. Right. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see which Senior Bowl prospects the Bucks are going to draft this year because they've drafted at least five over the last two years. Well, one guy that we have in our mock draft that was supposed to be at the Senior Bowl was not, but uh, he certainly would have, I think, maybe boosted the stock a little bit more. We saw Jackson Powers Johnson really kind of get a little bit of a a heave-ho with a great Senior Bowl. The guy we're talking about is the first pick in our mock draft for the Buccaneers at number 26, and that is Duke offensive lineman Graham Barton.
0: Yeah, uh, I, somebody I was actually really looking forward to seeing at the Senior Bowl. And then we got, I think was the day we got there, realized that uh, he was not going to be, he had not weighed in. He, he was not going to be there. I think he was nursing a few injuries and, and recovering uh, as he kind of prepares for the rest of the pre-draft process. But from what I've seen of him, mobility and agility, everything that you know you want in that kind of offensive lineman, I kicking inside to guard is probably where he's going to be. And I think that's obviously a, a huge need for the Bucks. They don't have, as it stands right now, they don't have a left guard um, on this roster that they'll be moving into next year with. Um, and it really is is, is a shame because I wanted to see him at the senior bowl, but they've had success moving left tackles into guard in the past. And it's been a proven, um, almost a proven formula for Jason light in doing so with Ali Marpet, Alex Kappa. Um, and then now doing so with, with Cody Malk, um, last year. So I I think this is a, a pick that would obviously solidify the offensive line in a big way. You'd have, Wurfs at left tackle Graham Barton at left guard whoever you find out is your center worst case I'd say worst case is kind of kind of harsh but you know it's if he's been a, a starter for two years now Robert Hainsey but would like to upgrade there so maybe a free agent center and then you have Malcolm Gedeke on the right side so it, it's it's a pick that I think makes so much sense it is just hurts me a little bit because I want it to be Jackson Powers Johnson but yeah. he's just I think he's going to be gone before the Bucks pick at 26. But, I do too yeah a guy that uh, I want to look more into is grand barn. I've, I've seen some film on him and was really looking forward to seeing him in Mobile, but I you know, didn't get that chance.
1: Yeah. Jackson Powers Johnson. The thing with him is you look uh, Miami could use a center. Dallas could use a center and yeah. some of their, their guys are going to be free agents that they might want to get younger and may, maybe cheaper on a rookie deal than, you know, paying for free agents. Um, the Steelers might need a center. So there, there's there's some teams ahead of Tampa Bay in terms of the selection that uh, the Jackson Powers-Johnson, I just don't think he's going to be there. And that's, that's why we have uh, Duke's Graham Barton in there. And he can also play center as well. He started five games his freshman season at center. And Jim Nagy – sorry, Jim Nagy. <laughs> if you're a Mark Cook fan from back in the day, you'll appreciate that. Uh, not Matt Nagy, but Jim Nagy. <laughs> Jim Nagy, the – The president of of the Senior Bowl, uh we we could because we care, uh, has was was saying that had he been there, he was gonna see some time at center. They were gonna move him inside because that's where he's projected to be at the next level. Very tough, aggressive guy in the run game, very physical guy, probably closer to Ali Marpet, maybe than Alex Kappa, especially with the hair, right? He's a short haircut kind of guy. Although Marpet did grow his hair out when, when he was in Tampa. But um, so I, I think this, this is a good guy that gives them some positional flexibility, right? Cody Malk may get a shot at playing some center or maybe Graham Barton gets some center. Or maybe he's, he's a, a guard his first year. So that's uh, that's certainly the line of thinking there. So much so that Trevor Sykema from pro football focus, Peter report alum and good friend of mine, also has Graham Barton in his mock draft. He texted me the other day, giving me a heads up that <laughs> he was going to put him there. He's like, "What you're saying makes a lot of sense, Scott. He's definitely a Jason Light type of offensive lineman." I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely, Trevor. So yeah. um great minds think alike there." So Graham Barton to the Buccaneers in the first round. And for those of you that are saying, "Well, what about edge rusher?" Right, and and one of those guys would be our own Josh Capo, uh and he's dead right. I mean, he's he's spot on with the fact that if you need if you have an edge rusher. They can really be kind of that force multiplier, that guy that that because of the pass rush and and getting to the quarterback, they can make your your linebackers better. They can make your secondary better, right, by pressuring the quarterback and enforcing and some errant throws. Maybe getting that interception total up a little bit. And so we didn't uh, we didn't leave out an edge rusher in this uh, draft for the Buccaneers. As a matter of fact, uh, another guy from the Senior Bowl. This guy was actually there, and the guy I'm talking about. Is uh, Penn State's uh, Adisa Isaac, and I thought he had a pretty good week this this uh, Senior Bowl.
0: Yeah, I thought he did. Like like you just mentioned, it, it, a lot of what we saw this past season, the secondary, I think, being was that it was thirtieth or thirty first in the league. I don't think it was all on them. I, I don't think you know it's still the same. A lot of the same guys that won a Super Bowl a few years ago, and Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, uh, obviously Antoine Winfield Jr. had a great year. Um, so I, I think a lot of it is, you know, not being able to get pressure up front, um, especially getting pressure with four, and that's something the Bucks are going to need, you know, more of in, in the in the future. And it's not just going to be solidified with a second round pick in Isaac. Though I think Isaac would be, you know, that kind of um, addition that would give some some more life to this this outside linebacker group. Yaya Diaby gave it some down the stretch of last season, um, but Adisa Isaac, I think, you know, good and run defense, you know, a good pass rusher as well. Pretty solid production at Penn State too. I think he outproduced Chop Robinson, who's many people saying he'd be a first rounder this year. So um, the production's there, and I, again, a guy that I think really helped himself with the Senior Bowl week, um, perhaps more more so than Chris Braswell, who was the uh, the first pick in our our right. first round, um, our first one mock draft. Yeah. So yeah, I think you know going back to back, going inside inside O line, and then getting uh, an edge rusher first two picks. Whether you do that. The, the order we have them in, in the 2.0 mock draft, or if you flip them, I think that's probably you know a strategy that not a lot of people can argue too much with.
1: Yeah. Six foot four, 250 pounds. And, and really, as you said, outperformed in terms of, of sacks and sacks aren't everything, but he also outperformed chop Robinson in sacks, 11 and a half to nine and a half Robinson had the nine and a half over the past two seasons and, and also tackles for loss, 27 tackles for loss over the last two seasons compared to Robinson's 17 and a half. So this is a guy that I think when you look at, at the pass rushers that they put into the NFL, whether it's Micah Parsons, who's done a lot of great things, or Yatir Metos, Mat- who's you know been eh, okay, um, Baltimore's uh, Odafe Ewa- Owa, and then Atlanta's Arnold Ebiketti, those are some some Penn State pass rushers that have, have – You know, been making that jump from college to the pro successfully, at least to have an NFL career. Again, Micah Parsons is the most successful out of that quartet. But I I think Isaac actually can be a better pro than Chop Robinson. A little bit longer, 6'4", 250 pounds. And again, the production, I think, that the Buccaneers are looking for. uh, He just flashes. He had a better run grade than he did against the pass, according to pro football focus and 82.4 run grade. That's really good. A 78.3 pass rush grade his 13% pass rush win rate could stand some improvement, but this was a player that, that really uh, I I thought kind of came on a little bit more towards the, the end of his senior season. So I think like, yeah, yeah, Dabi, the arrow is pointing up for Adisa Isaac.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I do wonder, I know that a lot of the talk has been, you know, the bucks need an alpha, you know, pass rusher. They need that number one guy who's going to take over for Shaq Barrett. And I don't know if it's Isaac, and I don't know if it's, you know, Yaya Diaby or Yaya Diaby. I don't know if it's either of them, but I think it's it can't hurt to, you know, inject some more life into that room. And I think it's kind of a victim of circumstance the Bucks are as far as where they're picking in the first round. They're not going to be able to get one of those top, top edge rushers in this draft, which isn't yeah. really a great class anyway. Um, right. So it's, you know, you got to you got to get these guys in when you can and where you can. So whether that's, you know, you add another one in the in free agency and then you draft Adisa Isaac, I think that you're kind of reshaping that pass rush and that outside linebacker room. And I, I think it's something that that group really needs right now in this offseason.
1: Yeah, speaking of pass rush, uh, Dante Mason, 1999 Super Chat. Thanks so much. Appreciate these Super Chats coming in today. Hey, guys, this is off the subject, but what's the chances of us getting Hassan Redick from the Eagles. Um, Well, it's not off the subject because we're just talking about pass rushers (laughs) right here. What I will say is, and I'm not trying to dampen anyone's enthusiasm for free agency, but you have to understand where the Buccaneers bread is going to be buttered. It's going to be their own guys. It's going to be Antoine Winfield Jr. Big contract, big contracts for Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans. you got to get Levante David re-signed for one year, Chase McLaughlin. Money McLaughlin needs a new Mm -hmm. deal. So, and we're probably going to see a contract extension is my guess for Tristan Wirfs that'll actually lower his cap value from the 18 million that he's going to currently have as, as that fifth year option, but he's still going to command, you know, a King's ransom. He's going to reset the market probably at 20 million or more for left tackles. But having said that, they're not going to have a lot of money left over to go shopping. You're not going to see someone like Hassan Reddick who, by the way, wants a new deal. That's why, the Eagles want to to trade him. He's 29 years old. He'll be 30 in September. And we know what happens when pass rushers hit 30. I mean, look at Shaq Barrett, not always the case, but at some point in time, you're going to drop off. And he's had four double digit sack seasons. I wrote about it in today's bucks mailbag. I'll put that in the chat as well, but I just don't think that they're going to go shopping um, anywhere other than, than the discount stores for pass rushers or offensive linemen. I think they're going to spend the most of their, their free agent cap money um, on on their own players, as they should.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's probably just, again, it's the cap situation they're in, and it's the fact that they've drafted so well and have to, you know, re-sign a lot of their own. Um, and then, obviously, finding Baker last year at a cheap discount. Um, now it's time to pay him. So yeah. it's one of those things where it sounds great, and, you know, Redick's been very, very productive for Philly, but with with his age and with, you know, the situation they're in, yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't really – it doesn't fit. You know, there's going to be a team yeah. out there that it fits better for. And he's making
1: an run. average of $15 million right now. And boy, I mean, if he wants more money, uh, this team just doesn't have to cap him yeah. right now to, to pay him that. And again, you don't want to commit that to somebody who's getting up there in age. But uh, we do have Adisa Isaac being that guy who will, you know, probably start if he's drafted in the second round opposite. Yeah, yeah, Diaby. And, and we'll see how it goes in the third round. sticking with this senior bowl theme because it's kind of worked out pretty well for Jason Light and the Buccaneers. How about a running back, a guy like Ray Davis, who certainly would get a thumbs up from Liam Cohen after rushing for just about 1,200 yards and scoring seven receiving touchdowns and 14 rushing touchdowns in his lone season at Kentucky. Why a running back in the third round? Well, I don't know about you, Bailey, but thank goodness Rashad White was healthy for all 17 games because there would be a huge drop-off at the running back position from a talent standpoint and a stamina standpoint. We saw Chase Edmonds, the backup, couldn't stay healthy all season and they cut Rashad, or Keyshawn Vaughn. So I, I think that, that they need to get another guy. And here's the other thing too. You've got Rashad White entering his third year, right? And I love Rashad and I hope he gets paid, but it's probably not going to be in Tampa when his rookie deal expires. You just don't pay rookie or you shouldn't say uh, you don't pay running backs who are coming off rookie deals. You don't pay them big money. And you just draft them because that's what the position is these days. And and I love running backs and I hope that they get their bread, but I, I just don't think it's smart money. Look at no further than than Doug Martin, right? So um th- this is a player that that can come in and and be that one-two punch along with Rashad White and provide some insurance in case he gets hurt. He, like Rashad White, is also a three-down back, not a third down back, but a, a down in down out first second and third down guy that can come in and be part of the passing game as well as the running game Bailey
0: yeah and I think that's that's one of the more underrated things about this past season that Rashad White had was that he stayed healthy for that for the whole season and he was in there I'm sure he was banged up several times but he you know he did not miss a game and was able to play throughout the whole season and that's just something you can't really bank on every year especially with that position so they're going to need um gonna need another running back and i ray davis was one of my favorite players at the senior yeah. bowl before they they hired liam cohen we got back that's right um from the senior bowl you know hours before that was became official and even coming out of that week i was thinking you know davis was one of my favorite prospects yeah. there Me too. um just from you know both both the, run, the running and the pass catching ability you know both of both of those things and you know just overall kind of looking ahead him more is there's some explosiveness to his game he's got good hands can contribute in the in the passing game, like you said, seven receiving touchdowns last year, almost ten yards per catch, um, which I mean for a running back, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. And, and then so I, I liked him already, and then they hire Liam Cohen, who obviously used his talents well last year at Kentucky. So that connection almost makes too much sense, and it's one of those things where I I I'm all for it, but it almost feels like it's too perfect to line up that way. Like yeah. I don't even know if if it's gonna be. And it's it's too perfect of a connection for it to really happen, right? I don't know, yeah. but um, definitely somebody I think would pair well with Rashad White and kind of give that Bucks running back room. And maybe you bring Chase Edmonds back more as a three, more as a third down back, number three guy, veteran in the room who you know liked working with Rashad White last year. And when I talked to Chase Edmonds in Atlanta after after the Falcons game, he even said he knows his role in the league is that he's just a change of pace guy, yeah. and he's there to help Rashad. So a guy who I think would probably be open to coming back and. Then you've got a running back room of you know Rashad and you got Ray Davis and then a veteran in, in Edmonds. So yeah. I think that would be a, a really good group to have.
1: Yeah. Uh, Little Laughter Lands says, what happened to Sean Tucker? I thought we were excited about him in the preseason after a few rushes in the first few games. Never heard about him again. Yeah. Just the pass protection issue was the biggest thing, right? Is, is, uh, if yeah. you're going to be on the field, you've got to be able to pass protect. And that was, from what I heard, that was the biggest issue with Sean Tucker was, was being able to, to pass protect. Because if you can't do that, remember Ronald Jones was terrible at it in Tampa. Yeah, And so what happens is once you kind of get uh, tagged as a guy who's not good in pass protection, when you're on the field, two things are going to happen. Number one, the defensive coordinators are going to say uh, you're going to run the ball, right? You're, you're not going to be out there. This is going to be a run play not a pass play. So you're telegraphing what you're going to do. The second thing is, is you're looking at, a situation where you're going to get blitzed now because they're going to be sending everybody. And if a quarterback is going to check out of a loaded box, because it's the the running play is not going to get anywhere. Then, and it's a situation where you're you're forcing that running back now to be a pass protector. and, And that's advantage to the defense there. So speaking of the passing game, we we're going to give the Buccaneers a quarterback Another guy from the Senior Bowl. Didn't have a huge game in terms of production, um, but it he, he was steady, right? We're talking about yeah. two lanes. Michael Pratt, a player that I've really become fond of, had a huge win against my Kansas State Wildcats in Manhattan. It's a hard place to, to win. He also went toe-to-toe, throw-for-throw with Caleb Williams and came back to beat USC and Williams in the Cotton Bowl. Not this past year, but uh, two years ago, you've seen him play against your UCF yeah. Knights, Bailey. Get the job done. This guy is uh, is probably like an underrated guy, bigger in stature than Brock Purdy, but just a winner. Uh, I think he was he had three losses in his last two seasons in college, and really helped take Tulane to new heights and help them have the biggest turnaround from one season where they I think they won one or two games in twenty twenty one. To finishing number nine in the in the country the next year, so uh, this this is a, a guy that that probably would replace Kyle Trask after this year and be that that next guy up and the understudy of Baker Mayfield.
0: Yeah, I'm curious to see what what the plan is. I mean, obviously, I think the priority right now is bringing back Baker Mayfield, but what the plan is for the future? Because you're looking for him, it's probably what a three year deal um, for for Mayfield. So. Trask is, is entering a contract year last year of his rookie deal. Um so yeah, I mean I think it might be the right time to get maybe your quarterback of the future in the room. Um if if you can, if possible, if Pratt's there. And like you said, he's a guy who's he won a lot and he's played a lot too. I think he was a four-year starter. He was. Um, I think as a freshman, I don't know if he started, you know, week one as a freshman, but he was played most of that season as a starter at Tulane. Um and he doesn't turn the ball over a ton. Has I wouldn't say he's like overly mobile, but I think he's he's functionally mobile. I think yeah. he you know, ran for uh, was out here 28 t- rushing touchdowns in his yeah. four years. Um, didn't turn the ball over a ton. So, yeah, I, I think if you're going to take a guy who, you know, you you hope works out as your your potential starter of the future, it makes more sense to do so in round four than maybe in round two, like they did right. with Kyle Trask. Um but, I mean, that's a and, victim of circumstance, too, almost. With yeah,
1: and, and there's a chance that that he may not be there in, in the fourth round yeah. because the Buccaneers are picking later. But you never know. Sometimes there's only so many teams that need quarterbacks, and there's probably right. going to be as many as eight drafted in the first 100 picks. And maybe perhaps one of those guys. We'll see. But that's why Chris Sims fell to the Buccaneers in the third round because all the quarterback teams back it was 2003, I believe, uh, that – they just didn't have a need, right, for another quarterback. Yeah. So Sims was projected in the second round, fell to the Bucks in the third round. So that's how it happens sometimes. We're going to stick with Tulane. Sorry, Bailey. I know that <laughs> this guy had some some uh, decent performances <laughs> against your, your Knights as well. But Jarius Monroe, who was a two-year starter at Tulane, was a team captain last year, actually was the MVP of the East-West Shrine Bowl on the defensive side, had an interception in that game. This is a player that, boy, he fits the Todd Bowles, mold at cornerback 62205 big time pass breakup guy 13 pass breakups at Nichols state before transferring to tulane Uh, and i'm talking about his freshman season he had a fumble recovery a, a pat block 13 pass breakups five pass breakups as a sophomore as a junior 10 pass breakups he transfers to tulane that's when the interceptions came three interceptions in 2022 eight pass breakups one of those picks was against caleb williams in the cotton bowl and then last year three and a half tackles for loss had a sack three interceptions again 10 pass breakups and a forced fumble this is a player that has length and certainly could fit in todd bowles scheme in the sixth round
0: yeah i mean he just he looks the part of a todd Bowles cornerback doesn't he so interesting interesting pick here in the sixth round and especially with the the cornerback room they have what are they going to do with carlton davis If carlton davis is gone you've got jamel dean and zion mccollum as your one and two and then you're kind of you know bare at, at the three and four so maybe he's a guy monroe's a guy come in be your number three number four uh, as a rookie and then develop into a future starter maybe alongside zion mccollum in the future so yeah i mean a, a guy that i i would like to dig more into in in terms of his actual tape, but obviously yeah. looks the part of a Todd Bowles corner. And, and
1: interestingly enough, Tulane really these last two seasons uh, was, I think they finished just outside of the top 25 last year. They they went into the bowl game with only two losses, but they lost their bowl game. Pratt didn't play in that. Yeah. And um, But Tulane was was a bit of a powerhouse these last couple of years. So the, the Buccaneers double up from two guys at Tulane, getting uh, Jarius Monroe in the sixth round. Another guy that the Bucs might double up with is another Kentucky Wildcat. We're talking about Trevin Wallace, who was also at the Senior Bowl where he's covering right there. You can see that's some Kentucky on Kentucky crime right there. He's covering or trying to cover Ray Davis, the running back. But Trevin Wallace, an interesting inside linebacker choice. The Buccaneers got KJ Britt on day three a couple of years ago from Auburn and, uh, and may go back to Kentucky to get this guy. What I like about him and the reason why we have him in there is not just that Liam Cohen connection, but also the fact that, that he is a very good athlete. And he can also get after the quarterback. Five and a half sacks last year. He had a total of 10 sacks in his three years at Kentucky. He's a junior, but played in the Senior Bowl. Had an interception last season, two picks the year prior in 2022. Uh, returned a blocked punt, I'm sorry, blocked field goal for a touchdown to help beat Florida his freshman season. And he's also got a couple of forced fumbles as well. So he's young. He's only 20 years old, turns 21 February 22nd, but 6'1, 244 pounds. This guy can compete with the likes of Servassier Dennis, KJ Britt, JJ Russell to replace Devin White.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously, the NFL frame is there. And somebody who, as young as he is, only has, you know, more to go and more to grow um as far as his his knowledge of the game and just getting into the scheme. Um and yeah, I, I like it. I and mean, getting getting a linebacker in there I think that can compete with Servassier and can compete with KJ is probably an ideal scenario because you know hopefully I mean that you have Levante David coming back to lock down one of the spots, but then that other spot it's kind of gonna be maybe figuring out who the best fit is. Yeah, exactly. Before we round
1: out our lock draft here, let's get to a super chat question, shall we? Yeah. Um, what would Bryce Huff asking price be in free agency? It's a good question. Bryce Huff from the Jets certainly had a great breakthrough year. And I think he's going to be one of those upper echelon pass rushers. When you look at him, Brian Burns, you look at at uh, Daniel Hunter from Minnesota, a, mm-hmm. as well as Josh Allen. I think this is a, a bumper stock bumper crop of pass rushers in free agency. And I, I think his asking price is going to be too much for the Buccaneers. I think that if you're looking for, for uh, pass rushing options. Josh Uche from the New England Patriots is a guy that that Josh Capo threw out over the weekend. Andrew uh, uh, Van Ginkle is another guy from the Miami Dolphins that I wrote about in the Bucks mailbag this morning. So those are a couple of names I think yeah. that might be more of that one-year prove-it deal, $4 million that they kind of got Shaq Barrett for in 2019. I think that's the guy they're going to go after this year is that type of, of value pass rusher
0: yeah and josh actually wrote about huff too in that in that story he wrote over the weekend about potential edge rusher options um and his projection that he did um for for bryce huff was four years 58 million so yeah. that's one of the more the uh, the higher priced guys and then he did write about about josh Riche from uh new england yeah. as one of the probably the lower tier um you know, as I'm not lower tier linebacker or yeah. not lower tier players, but as far as lower tier on the, on the price scale. So yeah, yeah, I think they'll probably have to go bargain shopping and hope they can find one for maybe a, a one year, prove it and, and yeah. kind of reshape the room as, as they can see fit.
1: Meets McGee with the $5 super chat again. Thank you very much. Don't give up on Sean Tucker. He will have a full off season and that's true. He didn't have an off season last year because of his, his heart issue. And uh, but I, I think maybe he'll get a fresh start with, with uh, Liam Cohen and we'll see, uh, if he can become a guy that can climb up the depth chart at the running back position, he says, I'm hoping for linebacker Cedric Gray in the second round, the UNC player, the mm-hmm. Carolina Tar Heels, uh, linebacker as well. Um, little laughter lands. Uh, appreciate the 699 super chat. The Canadian super chat. What happened to Sean Tucker? We just talked about that. The Bucks yeah. were excited about him in the preseason. Any word on if his pass protection improved over the season, that's going to be a big thing for him this offseason, I think is, is to get, the work with Skip Pete, and, and get the pass protection improved to where he can prove to Liam Cohen that he is uh, worthy of being out there rounding out really quickly as the show comes to a close, our mock draft is a player that coming off of an injury, uh, Eric all from Iowa started his career at Michigan and, and then had a late season knee injury torn ACL. He probably won't be ready to go with the start of a training camp or maybe even the start of the season, but yeah, you know, he is an Iowa tight end. Although he didn't have his full tenure there, he went to to Michigan uh, for the first couple of years, suffered an injury there as well. Um, but in in the 2021 season, 38 catches for 437 yards and two touchdowns. Then last season, before that knee injury, averaged 14 yards a catch, 21 catches for 299 yards and three touchdowns. Interestingly enough, um, about Eric All. Believe it or not, he actually went to um, he was teammates with our very own Eric Gross and the Eric Gross group. That's right. Uh, Eric Gross, former college uh, offensive tackle. He's certainly thinned out since his playing days, kind of like Ali Marpet has. But uh, one thing that he has uh, gotten in terms of, of uh, uh, an education is not just schooling pass rushers, but also getting you the most for your home if you're trying to sell it or finding you the best value if you're trying to buy a home. That's right. The Eric Gross Group is the official real estate agent of Peter Report. You can find them on the web at housesandfla.com. That's housesandfla.com. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram at Eric Gross Group. Make sure you give Eric a call, 513-907-4271. No matter where you are in your home ownership journey, you're going to feel welcome with the Eric Gross Group, the official realtor of Peter Report. This hour has flown by so quickly. Bailey, it's been a lot of fun talking about the, the Super Bowl last night. As well as the Bucks mock draft version 2.0 that we we put out on Pewter Report. The show tomorrow will be at 4 o'clock. I'm going to have special guest Nick Geddes on. How close are the Bucks to the Super Bowl? We're going to be debating that topic tomorrow at 4 o'clock, as well as finding out where you can check it. PewterReport.com for more Bucks great content. You sure can. PewterReport.com, the mothership. Make sure you can also follow us on social media. Instagram, Facebook at Pewter Report, and of course, Pewter Report TV, our YouTube channel. Make sure you hit the like and the thumbs up. Give us those likes, those thumbs up. Help us get it in front of more Pewter people. Help us find more Buccaneer fans out there and get our content out in front of them. We really appreciate everybody for tuning in to today's show. For Billy Adams, I am Scott Reynolds, and we'll see you all tomorrow at 4 o'clock for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast out.